Welcome to Let the Boys Kiss, the creation of queer ships, where we ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? This week, we'll be discussing Will and Hannibal, otherwise known as Hannagram, or if you're feeling fun, Murder Husbands, from the NBC series Hannibal. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kelsey. excited about this episode, Maddie. We're doing something a, a little bit different. A little uh, bit experimental. Yeah. Um, but who are we covering today? I know we always say at the top, but you know, just to orient ourselves. Yeah, to get back into it. Uh, we are talking about Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter from the NBC series Hannibal, but more broadly from the series of novels, the films, Silence of the Lambs. You probably, if you haven't seen this show, you probably know Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter version. Um, and to talk about what sources we will be discussing is where we get into the interest of this particular episode. So I am, um, I'm a Hannibal fan. I've seen the series in full, maybe just two times, I think, but I've seen it all the way through a couple of times and then I've probably seen an episode here or there. You, what's your situation with Hannibal? So I had not seen the show prior to us deciding to do the ship for the podcast. And so the experiment of this is you gave me a selection of episodes to watch to get a, a handle selection. Yes. On what the ship is. Um, and so I think you gave me a total of 20 episodes to potentially watch. Some of them were like, you might just watch this clip or you could just read a recap of it. I ended up watching 14 episodes and we'll kind of, I think we'll post the list of what you suggested and what I actually watched. So mm -hmm. um, it's not a super long show. It's only 39 episodes total. So it's not, I watched, you know, an okay chunk of it, but yeah, yeah, that's my knowledge of it. And uh, just for a little bit of more background coming into the show, are you otherwise familiar with Hannibal Lecter in, in the films and the books or? Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen Silence of the Lambs. I've seen... Red Dragon, the Ed Norton movie, which is actually more, um, that's closer to the source material, material for this, because that's the origin of Will Graham and that whole mm -hmm. storyline. Though this television version exists sort of like out of time from the sequence of how the films have worked. <laughs> so a lot of people ask, the, I've seen people asking the question like, so it's now, but he's younger than Anthony Hopkins back in the day. And it's like, you just sort of have to roll with it. They're different the adaptations. Same... Right, exactly. It's the same guy, but it takes place at a different time. So whatever. Um, and I don't think anyone's trying to argue that his Hannibal Lecter like, grows up to become Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter. That feels uh, outside what they were trying to do. So yeah, I would say I've seen... A couple of the other films I haven't read any of the books um and to be honest it's been several years since I've watched either of those movies what about you have you seen any of the other source material I have not so I have not seen Silence of the Lambs or any of the subsequent movies or any of the other adaptations so I of course I'm an adult human who grew up in America so I'm right. you know, familiar and with the character fairly culturally literate I would say so yeah so it's not like 
him reference. Lecter, who's this guy? What's he up to? What could he be doing? Yeah, I had you start watching the show and you were shocked to learn that he was a cannibal. Oh my gosh. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it ends up being relevant coming into the show with like a, a deep knowledge of Hannibal lore or not, but I thought it was worth kind of just saying the full scope of our awareness of the character. Sure. So I think how we are going to approach this one is different than how we have approached any other episode because of the unconventional. I think this is the first time that we had not seen all of, like that we had not both seen all of the material. Yeah. So this so, is our, yeah, this is our first time doing it. So. Right. So as a fun experiment, the plan I think is going to be, since it is a, an interesting task that I have laid on you to watch a, a selection of episodes and try to cobble together the understanding of not just these two characters and their ship, but also I would say what the hell's going on in the television series <laughs> as you're watching it. I'm, I'm excited for this experiment. I think it's going to be pretty fun. So I, <clears throat> are you ready to hear what I think is happening? Uh, yeah, I, I I'm so excited. We've been keeping each other from talking about this so that we could discuss it for the podcast. And I need to know what you think just happened <laughs> when you watched all of that. Okay. So our two characters of interest, we have Will Graham. He is not in the show, I think, explicitly magical, but he's basically magical. He's a- Yeah, but he's the sort of magical that you get with like, you know, the guy who's the star of a of a- detective show where he's he's like psych magical or like the mentalist magical like he is sort of has extra skills that people don't normally have but he's not you know performing I, magic i would argue i haven't True. seen the mentalist but psych no, me least, neither <laughs> psych at least brings you more through because they do that thing where like they zoom in on the clue and then yeah, they yeah, zoom yeah. Out. whereas he just seems to be like this is my design and we should talk a lot about this is my design. And then he just like, I only ever want to talk about this is my design. Walks through the, the, the um, you're the right. Murder. But anyway, there he's, is a, a... he's like a forensic investigator, criminal profiler, mm -hmm. magic man. Uh, and then we have Hannibal Lecter, who is by profession, a psychiatrist. Uh, but spoiler alert. Uh, he's also a serial killer and a cannibal. And <laughs> you'd never know his name rhymes with cannibal, but no one would guess it. Oh, I did have a question for you, which you, yeah. you might know because you have at least seen Silence of the Lambs and some of the other movies. Is there a history of Hannibal, Hannibal being considered a queer coded character because he's like such a fancy man? I think yes. I think um, there's a tiny bit of this discussion later. I don't even remember if I clipped these quotes but while I was doing the research into what the both the actors and the creators say Brian Fuller talks a little bit about not just Hannibal but also Clarice Starling being sort of queer-coded characters in um Silence of the Lambs okay which is a totally interesting different dynamic when you're talking about a woman and a man both being queer-coded characters because you end up with a very different dynamic than what you've got going on in this show yeah <laughs> but I yeah I think that's not he's he's always been sort of like a dandy mm -hmm. okay so Hannibal, uh, they meet each other through the process of trying to track down the serial killer, blah, 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 whatever. And Hannibal seems to be a person who doesn't usually connect with other people. You know, he views them as meat. They're just animals to him, whatever. But something about Will really, really, you know, catches his eye. And I think like throughout the show in different 
parts, it seems like he can't quite wrap his head around his feelings because they're so unusual. So he like doesn't know if he wants to be Will or he wants to consume Will or he wants to be with Will. Like those seem to be the things he's trying. Sometimes it's hard to read our own emotions, you know? For sure. It can be very confusing. So this isn't quite in order, but I guess it gets to other questions, right? So clearly the he wants to consume Will pops up a couple times. There's some parts of the show where he's kind of like explicitly almost about to consume Will. So he wants to be Will. As I'm watching the episode, one of the real questions I have is about the character of Alana. Hmm. Uh, because every time I come back into the show, she's like sleeping with a different psychopath. And I'm like, what's going on with you? Are you okay? She's one of those people that's just really drawn to psychopaths. And it's like, also like, the world is very small. It's like, you can't meet someone outside the scope of all this insanity. I don't know, whatever. So one thing I didn't understand, right, is I come into the episode in season two, and all of a sudden she's sleeping with Hannibal when like, when I left off, she was with Will. Is his relationship with Alana in an effort to like, be Will, like, it's all it's all interestingly tied up in some weirdness for all of them right okay did did i give you the episode where they have the like dream threesome no i don't think so okay well i should have at least given you that scene there's a scene where uh you're experiencing this basically through you know will has this very like active dreamy sequence life that other people are not experiencing so he there's a scene where he is sleeping with uh a different woman and then Alana and Hannibal are sleeping together and it becomes through like oh no I think I, I did see sequence. that that's when he's sleeping with um for the Berger woman yes the girl um, who's in Supernatural who's the, the uh, what's yeah. her face so it becomes this like interesting threesome where it's like Hannibal on one side of Alana and Will on the other or whatever and they're all in together in the same bed and you're like what is going on here <laughs> because there very much is an element all the way through of like they're all sort of weirdly obsessed with Will and like Will is obsessed with Hannibal but he also has these feelings for Alana and then Hannibal and Alana both really want to be with Will so they're being with each other in an effort to like it's the it's the thing where like the only thing they have in common is will. I mean, other than the fact they're both psychiatrists, like that's something okay, in common. Well, but but what's draw like the reason they're in each other's orbit mm-hmm. is this will relationship. Okay, and then there's like obviously she and to a lesser extent he for her is like a replacement okay. for will. So yeah, there's definitely weirdness of it being sort of an emotional threesome. <laughs> in all sorts of various ways all right so uh and then of course he wants to be with will right they're going to run away together at the end of season two so sweet but of course it doesn't quite work out because will betrays him yeah yes halfway through season three right is when he gives himself up and he's like you know where to find me you'll come back to me i'm not worried about it Oh, what a move. What a crazy, weird power move for Will to be like, let's just never see each other again. And Hannibal's like, you know why you'll have to see me? Is if I turn myself in, (laughs) and then you'll always know where I am. Right. Bizarre. So, you know, uh, Hannibal's slowly working on Will throughout the first couple seasons to, like, get him to, to really, I guess, see if they are similar people, if he's someone he can relate to. So he's trying to get him to murder people but also like 
enjoy the sensuality of it, right? So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly a theme running through this show of like <clears throat> intense sensuality, both of like the food and then like the physicality of the murders. And uh, I think you know it's very clear that Hannibal is pretty preoccupied with Will. There's a scene I think in season two where he's talking to um his therapist. Hannibal's therapist? Yeah, Hannibal's therapist. Bedelia de Maurier, who's Gillian yeah. Anderson. They're talking about Will, because they're always talking about Will. When are they not talking about Will? And she's like, oh, you keep going back to him. What's going on? He says to her, I miss him. And she goes, you're obsessed. And he goes, I'm intrigued. And it's like, mm, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. It's a little bit more than intrigued. But then I think, right, you can ask the question is, is this just like Hannibal's obsessed with Will or is it reciprocated? So there's a bunch of right. interesting things I think that have happened through the show. Um, and one of the early parts that I also had a question with Alana is in season one, Will and Alana kiss for the first time in his cabin. And then Will immediately goes to Hannibal's house and is like, I kissed Alana. I am obsessed with that moment. <laughs> what a weird thing to do. So what I didn't understand about that is, was Hannibal encouraging their relationship? Like, what was the dynamic of Hannibal's understanding of Will's burgeoning relationship with Alana? Because it seems very strange to me that he would be like, I kissed a girl. Oh my God, I got to go drive to Baltimore. No, but tell my that friend. really is how it feels. Like, he's not encouraging him to get with Alana. I don't even really, they talk about her a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, it's not a thing. Like, when you're watching it in sequence and he drives to Hannibal's house to say, oh my god, I kissed Alana, you're like, why did you just drive to Hannibal's house to tell him that you kissed Alana? Like, it's, the weirdness of it is, is intentional. So I did did not miss something. I was just like, why did that? No, it's like an, an early sign of how invested he is in Hannibal's opinions about himself I guess yeah you know like the the first thing he thinks to do once that happens is to drive to Baltimore we haven't talked about this by no. the way him living in Wolf Trap Virginia and Hannibal living in Baltimore which has to be a two-hour drive I mean, at least here's the thing so for background for the listener we have both lived in and around the DC area for very length various lengths of time if you're going to someone's house in Baltimore for dinner and mm-hmm. you're leaving from Northern Virginia, it's going to take you three hours to get Yeah, there, man. At, in rush hour? <laughs> like, and he's doing that all the time, just like popping in to Baltimore to visit Hannibal. I think there's the time when Hannibal has a dinner party and Will drives there before the dinner party to tell him he can't come. <laughs> he, go- he like leaves him a gift or something and is like, sorry, I can't be here for the dinner. And it's yeah. like... You have already driven hours. <laughs> you might as well stay because it's going it, to, again, if it's dinner time, you might as well stay because if you wait later, it'll be faster to drive back. You're going to get home at the same time, guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, leaving that aside, yes, yeah. him showing up there and saying like, I have feelings about a thing I just did with Alana is like, you're thinking, God, Will, what is your relationship with Hannibal coming to? Like, this is getting really weird. Really strange. Okay. That's that's yeah. interesting to know that it was also strange if you've been viewing the show all the way through. So, of course, Will does start to get into murder at first. Sure. Like, once you, know, you once you dabble, hard to get out. It is. And so one of the things, one of the episodes that you had recommended to me, I think you didn't have me watch the whole episode where 
Hannibal sends someone to kill to kiss. Hannibal sends someone to kill. Imagine if Hannibal sends someone to kiss Will. <laughs> to like grab him and kiss yeah. him and then be like, that's from Hannibal. That would be different too. <laughs> so yes. Hannibal sends someone to kill Will and I watched that and that's like when Will like really gets into murder and he like tears that guy apart in again a very sort of like you know sensual way like using that yep. definition um, very literally um and that of course we also found that great meme of that scene where they then come and look at the body that he's torn yeah that's so, so yeah that i hopefully people who are listening to this have seen the show but if not yeah. the hannibal kind of like as a gift it's a, it's a whole courting process that's happening in that season. He sends a murderer after Will, and then Will kills the guy and brings the body to Hannibal as like a... I think in his mind, he's trying to be like, look what you made me do or something. But yeah. it's like Hannibal reads it as like, oh, my beautiful pupil has finally <laughs> you know, like come into his own. And um, then... At, Various things are happening, but they're they're making it seem like this guy was murdered by himself, basically. I think that's what they're doing. Like, the, the serial killer that's been acting is this guy. And so they display his body in the manner that he normally would to gotcha. pretend that he's another victim. And so they're the two of them are running down the case with the cops and talking about it in a way where, like, it would be obvious to anyone that they were the murderers. <laughs> They're so proud of everything that has happened and they won't stop talking about it. And it's like this weird flirtation and bragging all in one scene. Um, So he eventually kills someone. And I guess within the show, right, there's some tension about how much Will is actually into all this and how much he's just doing it to frame, not frame, but to capture Hannibal. You mean like in the narrative or the other people have tension about it? I think in the in the narrative, my impression yeah, was so as like the watching viewer, it, there's tension. Yeah. As yeah, the yeah, viewer, yeah. you're not sure where Will is going to end up. <clears throat> right. Because um, in my mind, part of that is that it doesn't seem like Will is sure. Right. Through a lot of, like he's hiding things from us, certainly. But also there are moments where it feels like he hasn't made up his mind <laughs> about if he's going to be, I think he, he enters into it probably with the intention of turning in Hannibal, but like the further he gets into Hannibal's world, the less and less sure that he'll be able to go through with it. So uh, we get to the end of season two. Will has decided not to go with Hannibal sort of. Well, yeah, that, that culmination of season two is, is a very dramatic and hugely like consequential moment for the two of them. Um, Because yeah, seemingly at the last minute, it's he like Hannibal has asked him to run away together, which he could have done and he doesn't. But the plan on Hannibal's end is that they're going to invite Jack over for dinner and kill him and then it'll all be fine. So Will ends up trying to take this middle ground where Jack has found out who Hannibal is. He doesn't want Hannibal to get caught. So he calls Hannibal and tells him to run, but he's not going to go with him. And so then, of course, that doesn't work because yeah. Hannibal wants them to run together (laughs) and so jack shows up he fights with hannibal and then finally will shows up and hannibal is heartbroken that will has betrayed him um because that's been the thing in the whole lead up to this finale is like 
Hannibal keeps having conversations with him like, you're really on my side, right? It's you and me against Jack. We're together on this. And and Will keeps having conversations with Jack that are like, we're together on this, right? We're going to take down Hannibal. And yeah. Will just keeps like, yesing everyone. <laughs> in the conversation. Right. And so I think he's, in the end, he tries to do this path of least resistance where he cares about Hannibal and doesn't want him to be in trouble, but he also can't take the dive into like, being the type of person that would run away with Hannibal. The dive you um, say. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> so we get to season three. Hannibal's fled to Europe. Will goes to Europe to get Hannibal. They end up finding him and then they come back to the States together. That's when Hannibal ends up turning himself in because Will's like, I don't get out of here. I don't love you anymore. Get on. Go. Yeah. Go. Shoo. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think he anticipates that Hannibal will run off again. and, and Well, because he is a serial killer on the run that yeah. you would assume would want to go be in hiding. But instead, despite him, Hannibal turns himself in and he's like, you know where to find me. Yeah. You. And so, so then this second half of the third season. Yeah, we flash forward a substantial amount of time. Will I think has, it's like five years. Yeah. Hannibal's in jail. Will no longer magic. He's like, I can't do it anymore, Jack. Well, he's, he's still magic. He just doesn't want to do it anymore. Like It's all tied into Hannibal. Right. But Jack brings him back in to solve another crime. Well, and, and he's been off building a new family. He yeah. has a new wife who has a son. He's like uh-huh. trying to live a happy domestic life. And of course, he eventually has to consult Hannibal. Yeah. And so they end up, you know, he, he just, he falls back in. And then towards the end, he's in therapy or he's talking, I don't know if he's in therapy, but he's talking with Jillian Anderson and he says to her, is Hannibal in love with me? And you're like- And it's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Everyone here's a psychiatrist, but like you can't see that this dude is- Yeah, like but Bedelia does say like, you know, in her own weird Hannibal dialogue way, yes, he is. You're but right. she says, does he, your ache for you or something? And I don't know, it's like super flowery. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, moral of the story, she's like, obviously yes oh here's another question that i had um before all this happens i think this is also season two where we're not sure like what's going on with will and there's the journalist who freddie lounge freddie lounge it's the episode i think where um he kills her quote unquote kills her right and he mentions that she referred to them as murder husbands does that originate in the show or did that originate in the fandom and then come back into the show I mm, I didn't watch it when it was on. Oh, okay. I I think it originates in the show, but I would love it if they just took that from the fandom and put it in. Okay. I think that's probably part of the reason that there are two names for them. I, I assume Hanagram is the fan-invented version, and then the show called The Murder Husbands, and everyone was like, oh, that's delightful. Yeah, okay. We should probably say that, too. But that's a good question. I don't know. So then in the season the season or series finale, we can say. Hopefully not. Potentially uh, more to come. Uh, Will's like, I'm going to pretend to break Hannibal out from prison and we're going to, you know, find the guy. Well, he doesn't pretend to break him out. He pretends that he is needs him to to find the serial killer. Uh, oh, yeah, he does. So really he does get him out. out. Yeah. <laughs> really gets out of prison. But That's it's true. with the help of the FBI. 
So at the end, he and Hannibal murdered the red dragon together. And it's the culmination of everything Hannibal's been trying to achieve. Again, like very sensual. And like, it's all these like beautifully lit shots. They're at like this remote house on the ocean. Uh, I think it's uh, a house of Hannibal's. I think he has lots of like things that he owns, property and such. Right. So they're on like a rocky bluff in this beautiful modern glass house and they you know beautifully murder the serial killer and then at the end they're sitting on the edge of the bluffs together they're standing on the edge of the cliff yeah and they embrace and like will leans into hannibal and then they presumably will pulls hannibal off the cliff into the ocean Mm -hmm. i think what happens they're clutching each other and Hannibal basically says, like, this is all I ever wanted for us. Yeah. And Will says, it's beautiful. It's <laughs> and then he grabs, uh, yeah, he gently grabs Hannibal and he just sort of, like, leans them off the cliff. And yeah. they fall, presumably to their deaths, but not really, because I mean, everyone's trying to make there be another season. So uh, that's kind of the relationship. I think you answered all my questions. That was my understanding. Of I think that you understood most of it pretty well. There are like side characters that have more important plots that ended up being kind of written out by my sure. selection. Um, but yeah, I think I feel proud of myself. You've understood most of what's going on with the two. <laughs> a pretty good bar for this format of yeah. figuring out the chat. I can't wait to do it again. So then I guess let's... Uh, dig into some of what the creators, actors, writers, etc., are saying about the show and the ship and that sort of thing. Because this is not really, this is an interesting case, I think, where I don't know that Brian Fuller, when he started writing this, set out to make it a, a queer romance. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that was necessarily his plan. And that sort of comes through. When you're watching the first season, it's very much just like kind of a procedural like a weird procedural the the characters are odd and and there's strange they talk funny <laughs> and that sort of thing but it's, it's like more slow-mo yeah the episodes are very case of the week in a way that they are not as you get later um and it's sort of just like is the nbc version of this show which is what you would expect um and then it's sort of just like it took on a life of its own, not just with the fans, but I think there's a thing that happens where actors have special chemistry and it sort of just like is what it is. And and you can try to write away from it, but you can also embrace it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, let's start, I guess, with actors, because the person who has the most to say about all of this is Brian Fuller. So I want to save him okay. for the end. Um, so let's start with you, Dancy, who plays Will Graham. Um he talks about he might be the one who talks like the least about the active romance of the two of them mm-hmm. um he definitely thinks they have a deep connection he usually phrases it more in like they have like a mental connection more than an emotional one i guess is a kind of a way to say it but here are some of his quotes he says the headspace is so abstract in terms of where he is in relation to Hannibal at any given time. Do they love each other? Do they hate each other? Are they just pretending? Does he know that I know that he knows? Is it a game? Is it another game? Uh, he does say, though, this is, must be from, like, in an interview between seasons two and three. Okay. He says, when season three picks up, we're both pining for each other. 
What I found is that when people start talking about the show on set trying to work out a scene, pretty soon everyone starts talking about the worst relationship they were ever in. It's a love story, but obviously not a very functional one. <laughs> and then um, this I just thought was sweet. They, they did a, this summer when they released it on Netflix, they did a cast reunion okay. interview thing. Um, so there are a lot of quotes from this year about this sort of stuff. Hugh says about their relationship. Mutual recognition is a big part of it. It's two people who have been, if not lonely, completely unique their whole lives. And then somebody comes along who, in Hannibal's case, it's conscious. He sees this rare thing in Will. Will perhaps recognizes in Hannibal his greatest secret. And that's a very powerful thing. I always thought of it as as if you're not only a great chess player, but you're the only person who ever plays chess. And then one day someone else walks in with a chessboard and your whole world changes. Hmm. So I think in his mind, they definitely have this like special connection that with no one else on earth. Um, but I didn't get a lot from him about like whether or not he thinks they're in love. Okay. So that he's got his own opinions about that. I don't know. Um, Mads Mickelson, who's Harry Hannibal Lecter, went on a little bit more of a journey in his comments because I found some earlier ones from like when the first season was out. And then how he talks about it as time goes on. Um, so in in season one sort of interviews, he does say, he like refers to it as a bromance, which I think is a thing Brian Fuller would do in the first season as well. Okay. Um, and so he talks about Hannibal loving him, but I don't, it's not hugely like romantic. So he's talking about first um, how Will is full of empathy and he can't control it. And Hannibal also has the power to like use empathy as a tool. And so he says, yes, Hannibal loves him and he will go far to help him. But if it's the help Will needs, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then he also says, um, it's a bromance, as Brian Fuller says. I'm attracted to Will in the sense that I see a young man with great potential, maybe greater potential than I had when I was a kid. So therefore, I'm fascinated with him and I really have true feelings for him. That's sort of the baseline of what they were saying about them when they were making season one. But he has sort of a different opinion as we get to like season three interviews. So yeah, somebody asked him, it wasn't difficult to see the love story aspect of the Hannibal and Will relationship earlier, but it was interesting to see it get more direct in the final episodes. Will himself asks, is Hannibal in love with me? And the subtext somewhat becomes the text at that point. And so Mad says, well, it's always been a part of the show. It's been a bromance since the very beginning of my eyes. There's no doubt that the second that Hannibal lays his eyes on Wills for the first time, he fell in love. Not necessarily in a physical way, but in a bonding way. So it's always been part of our show since the beginning. And whether people interpret that as an ho a homoerotic thing that never really gets to be lived out, or whether they interpret it simply as an emotional connection between two people, that's up to the audience. For us, it wasn't that interesting or vital to get specific, but it does go between mental and physical closeness in the last couple of episodes. That's true. He also says from around that time, I recently watched the whole second season back to back and I was really impressed by how what is basically a horror show becomes a romance. Yes, it's platonic, but the further we've gone, the more graphic and symbolic it's become. He broke my heart, so I stabbed him with a knife in the stomach. <laughs> so I think, yeah, there he's still all along this path coming up with his own ideas about like how to characterize their relationship. Um... So that's an interesting journey to track. Um, interesting. There are a lot of interesting comments from him about the end of season two, which I always see as so pivotal to their relationship. 
Somebody asked him if he was really crying in the season two finale scene when he's stabbed Will and like he's if, there. If the shot character is really crying or I, Mads and Will's in it. I guess the character. I wasn't there for this question. But he says, Will Graham is the dearest thing I have. Will Graham to Hannibal is the thing in life that he has loved the most. And unfortunately, he didn't go down the path I want him to go down. So I have to finish the story right there. And it breaks his heart. So Hannibal is actually really sad. So yeah, he is not, I'll, once we get to Brian Fuller, you'll see like Brian Fuller is more explicit about his opinions about these things, which is fair since he's the one writing them. Um, but he does talk about how like clearly there's love there. And he interestingly does that thing of like, I don't know how much it helps me really to talk about whether or not they they want to have sex with each other because that feels like not really an important part of this discussion and and I agree with him there I don't once we've acknowledged once everyone involved has acknowledged that like the characters are in love or whatever does it really does it matter when we try to get into the sexuality discussions I don't know probably not as much and then just the last actor I'll talk about Scott Thompson who plays Jimmy Price one of the lab rat guys Okay. You probably have seen him in other things before. Um, he said what I think we're all really thinking <laughs> about the show. He says, one of the things I find really weird about this show, I mean, the show's got its own logic, its own world. It operates under its own rules. But like the homoerotic tension between Will and Hannibal is crazy. But no one ever says like, would you guys fuck already? <laughs> like no one ever says, I think Hannibal's interest is a little gay. It's never said like even Jack, who you would expect would go, what the fuck's going on? I mean, do you want to, does he, what's he want with you? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I find that great because you definitely are watching the show, especially in later seasons. Like when we're talking about after season two has happened mm-hmm. and Hannibal, like, Will has helped, tried to help Hannibal escape. All of this shit has gone down. There's a scene in early season three when Jack asks Will why he did it. And Will basically is like, he's my friend. And I didn't want him, like, I wanted to leave with him, is what he says to Jack. Mm-hmm. All of that has happened. And then still by the end of season three, Jack is like, sure, Will, go ahead and let Hannibal out of jail. Because I'm sure that you're on my, like, side and will want to take care of him in the way that I am planning. Like, it's madness. <laughs> How does how does he never say anything about it? It kind of is hilarious. Oh, it's interesting, right? Because the show is so dramatic, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so I don't know if like within the universe is like this is just the normal way people talk and interact, and just just being so dramatic. So we don't notice because it's just like everyone's just so dramatic all the time. I guess. I mean, it's hard to deny their connection. So that brings us to our creator, Brian Fuller, who is the one who went on a very interesting journey, I think, in writing the show from, you know, where he started with his idea to write it and basically just be true to the characters in the book, who obviously are not in a relationship together. Um, And I think don't really interact as much as they do in this. I'm pretty sure in the book, at least this is what happens in the movie. I don't think they really know each other for very long before Hannibal is in prison. <laughs> like, I don't think that there's this long build-up period of them, like, having a friendship and a working relationship, and then finally it gets discovered that Hannibal's guilty. Because it seems like most of the movie that I saw is Hannibal's in jail and he's helping them okay. find the Red Dragon, right? So, like, I think that there's not a closeness between those characters in the way that there became a closeness 
in this series. So yeah, here it's just a quote that I was telling you about before where there is sort of a queerness to the characters as written, especially Hannibal and Clarice in Silence of the Lambs. But he says, there's something in the work between Graham and Hannibal Lecter in the television series where it was already kind of embracing a strange queerness that made it more plausible for some viewers to buy the burgeoning romance between them, more so than they did with Clarice Starling and Hannibal in the novel. So then people ask him, do you see an actual sexual attraction between Will and Hannibal? This is the question on everyone's mind. Mm -hmm. So he says, I think there's a sexual attraction for Hannibal to Will. I think of Hannibal in two ways, one as a man and one as the devil. This comes, this will come back later. This apparently is something that Mads brought to the role. And so when we were breaking stories, both things had to be true. Like this had to be true for the devil and this had to be true if Hannibal was just a man in order for things to proceed narratively. And if we took licenses, like how did Hannibal get in there? Well, if he's the devil, he turned to smoke and seeped under the door. And if he's a man, maybe he picked the lock. (laughs) What was fascinating as the storytelling evolved and the actors inhabited their roles more fully there became a fluidity and authenticity to the attraction that on Will Grand's side was sort of puzzling, but a slippery slope that he could slide down. And for Hannibal's side, it was, there's this man who can understand me in a way that no other human being can, and therefore I don't feel as lonely, and it's very easy to eroticize those feelings from a sexually fluid point of view. So I would say from Hannibal's perspective, there's a physical attraction as well as an intellectual attraction and emotional attraction. Because Will Graham, in many ways, for the devil, represents the beauty of corruptibility of the pure spirit. And I think that was part of the attraction for Hannibal, is to transform Will, to inform Will's own becoming into a higher level being than just a plain old man. And for Will, I think there was this attraction to somebody who also saw him in a way that no one else saw. Whether that could ultimately become willingly sexual became much grayer territory than I originally thought it was going to be. So he's saying, like, there's some wiggle room there. (laughs) We'll see where things go. Um, And then to expand on the devil thing, this is a Mads Mikkelsen invention. In our very first meeting with Mads, he said, I really see this character as the devil. And that was a light bulb going off for me because I was like, oh, that's such an interesting, epic, mythological take on the character. Not just to boil him down to a madman, but to give him a sense of mythology that really goes to the heart of why the devil is attracted to mankind. And it was a layer I thought about in only the loosest terms. But having Mad step into the kind of eternal wisdom of the devil, as opposed to the experiential wisdom of an aristocrat, felt like it gave the character a new awareness, at least for me, and a kind of dawning queerness in the story, because I feel like the devil is pansexual and therefore queer. And that's something that is more welcoming than sort of straight missionary style sexuality. And then we have some quotes from this year talking about like maybe a season four, which is sort of the running theme of all discussions with Brian Fuller and with the cast, people really want to do this season four. So yeah, he's talking about the devil's pansexual. So obviously that's what's going on with Mads. I think Will Graham is a heterosexual character, but sexuality is fluid. And I think it would have to be a conversation where we would sit down to try to find the most authentic expression of their relationship now. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like, he probably in his own mind is straight, <laughs> but this obsession that, and like connection he has with Hannibal means there are more doors are open than you would initially have been the case. Um, Fuller said that one scene that will inform where the characters go is a telling moment in the penultimate episode of the final season where Will asks Dr. Bedelia du Maurier, is Hannibal in love with me? Fuller says, up until the point where I wrote that scene, I was aware of the fan community wanting a sexualization between the characters, and I was entertained by that greatly and got a kick out of it, certainly. But I was also trying to be true to Thomas Harris, the author behind the source material, mm-hmm. and these characters and Mad's declaration of Hannibal as the devil. 
It's something I'm definitely interested in, and it feels like we were on a trajectory. We just have to find the most authentic path for that trajectory. Uh, And then talking specifically about season four, he says, because of the nature of what would be happening in season four, in terms of the grander manipulations that Hannibal has on Will Graham's mind, I don't think Hannibal would want to have sex with Will if Will wasn't in his right mind, and Will won't be in his right mind in season four. (laughs) So... Okay. That's a little bit of a teaser. I Interesting, like that. though, that he has this idea of, like, Hannibal being someone who cares a lot about consent. <laughs> yeah. So, here's a question. Oh, I don't know. Do you have other... I have more, but break in. Okay. So, we talked in the Harry Potter episode, right, about how problematic it was with Grindelwald and Dumbledore that, like, J.K. Rowling was conflating, like, he turned to fascism and was also gay, and then he stopped being Oh, my gay God. There was a lot going on there. Yeah. Is there something though similar happening here with like he's drawing him away from heterosexuality but also into murder and evil and like you know there's a whole history of like queer coding villains. Yeah. Um, I mean they're very there definitely is like something to that. I understand that reading. I think what's interesting to me you're right that it's like part of Will's I guess descent into his worst urges includes this attraction to a male character i think the flip side of it to me that's interesting is that like the queerness of the villain character is what humanizes him in this Mm. case like i feel like the thing that makes hannibal i don't relatable is not really the word but like feel like someone you can care about is the way that he cares about will (laughs) so I, i mean absolutely you're right that there's like a long history of that there's complication to it there's definitely an element of like is will's queering a part of his you know the the manipulation of his soul into darkness or something (laughs) but right does it fit into this this problematic narrative of like you're you're right it's impossible to escape that connotation when there have been so many like queer coded villains throughout the history of storytelling um but I do feel like most of the time that's an element of their character that's supposed to make them seem like a villain. You know, mm. like it feels like part of when you're watching the character, you're like, oh, he's so creepy because he's hitting on that guy <laughs> or something, you know? And it's like, that at least doesn't seem to be a part of this to me, but it's definitely worth interrogating. Um, part of the like part of what to take into account here is that Brian Fuller himself is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's its own layer of interest for what's going on with these two. So yeah, I, there's a lot to... I don't have a particular feeling about it one way or the other because I think, right. you know, every situation is different and part of the reason that the like the J.K. Rowling situation is so problematic is because she just like decided in an instant she didn't really think about it and it's just so like, and then she dug her heels in yeah so i'm not i I just you know thinking through the examples we've gone through and sort of yeah well and part of it too i think i've said this to you before when i was telling you about the show um i really view it as like a gothic romance like the way that people can people who haven't seen it and hear about it i think are apt to be like how can you watch a show that's about like a cannibal serial killer and enjoy it. <laughs> like it doesn't see, it seems so dark and whatever. And I don't, I just feel like 
if you think of Hannibal as like Dracula, you get more out of it than if you think of him as a serial killer the way that you see serial killers in other media. Um, because you're right. It's the entire thing is about like sensuousness and that sort of like uh, our urges and our deepest drives and all of that. And it's, you know, he wants really it's like he wants Will to be the truest expression of his own desires right. <laughs> that's what there's like a lot of back and forth about like humans and animals and you know or animal nature and whatnot um sure and i maintain will is magical i think this is yeah. a supernatural show just not explicitly or it's like low level supernatural yeah. <laughs> um Okay, I didn't want to interrupt you for too long. It was just a question. Oh, okay, so yeah, I'm I'm most of the way through, but there is, I have to comment on a particularly delightful article called Brian Fuller is Pure Hanagram Trash okay. <laughs> that has been written by Natasha Nicholson for Film Daily. She has put together a compendium of uh, Brian Fuller, like, comments on Hanagram through the years. So she talks about how at the beginning uh, of the, like, first season... He starts talking about uh, how it's really about a friendship. If you take out all the cannibalism and everything like that, you can just chart a male friendship. As a gay guy, I'm fascinated with straight male friendships. And it's like, that's kind of an interesting thing to say about a show that you're, that's not what you're writing. That's clearly not what you're writing. When every other comment, you you at least are telling me that Hannibal is pansexual, right? Like, right it's yeah. not a straight male friendship. So then she starts to dig into more things. It's also said, like not a normal friendship. Right. It's not, I mean, it's like not a friendship friendship. It's like a deep codependent obsession, yeah. whether or not it's romantic or sexual. Um, so then, yeah, about season one, he starts to say, Hannibal's absolutely on a journey of self-exploration, and he's fascinated by his fascination with Will. He's curious about this change that's come over him. It's sort of like somebody who's falling in love for the first time. Maybe his ultimate downfall is his attraction and affection for Will Graham. And then uh, he starts talking about how it happened, the, the, the journey of Hanagram happened organically. It naturally evolved because I guess I was absorbing so much of Mads and Hugh's performance, which felt like it was growing in intimacy, and it would have been inauthentic not to address it. That is how it feels watching the show. Um, and then in season three, they do officially say that Hannibal is in love with Will in the script. And so... Um, Brian Fuller says it felt like we had to shit or get off the pot ultimately because there had been so much going on between these two men it's very much about death and the romance um, he says I've never seen Hannibal as a crime story so much as a romantic horror story this is a love story a love story between a full-fledged psychopath and someone who has nascent psychopathic abilities it's a love relationship between two men one of them is a cannibal and one of them understands those cannibalistic instincts all too well <laughs> Uh, in the final episode, Will and Reba, who's the woman, I don't know if any of this made it into your viewing, but the, the like blind woman that's been hanging out with the red dragon. Yes. I did see um, that Will and that woman have a moment that Brian Fuller describes as a quiet moment between the two people who were in love with serial killers. <laughs> uh, he says, there's a quality to Will and Hannibal's connections that go above and beyond sexuality. You can have this intimate connection with somebody that then causes you to wonder where the lines of your own sexuality are. And we didn't quite broach the sexuality. It was certainly suggested, but the love is absolutely on the table. 
I feel one is omnisexual and one is heterosexual. And there's a lot of influence going back and forth. Who knows with a six pack of beer what could happen? <laughs> so this is getting into some stuff that we have uh, explored in various other conversations. It's hearkening back to a lot of people. Like there's always that bit of resistance when I hear people start to say like, it's it's beyond sexuality because right. <laughs> then you start to worry about that sort of like are you trying to ignore the sexuality element of it but really I find just in my own readings of his stuff that I find fall more on like a Neil Gaimany sort of part of the spectrum where he's saying like maybe they're asexual maybe one of them is maybe they're like having sex maybe they're not maybe you can read it however you want but I am saying to you like they're in love <laughs> that's definitely the story I'm telling um which I know is not satisfying to a lot of people but I think does leave open a lot of room for people to have their own interpretations of what's going on um specifically with the characters and certainly leaves big windows for people to write fan fiction yeah I wonder if right the difficulty though with this show is because it is so explicitly sensual then to not make also explicit like the sensual elements of their relationship sure. is a little different I think maybe too from like the Neil Gaiman example where that's not like a super sexy well sexual. yeah nobody was like why didn't they show the graphic sex in good omens <laughs> right so I wonder if like that's also different and maybe a little bit difficult of this example of not showing them expressing yeah. in such a sensual well i also am intrigued by the ways that he has talked about the potential season four mm-hmm. where he's like they probably won't have sex but that's really only because will's not going to be in his right mind <laughs> yeah um so the last i have is just a couple of fun little things uh he also like mads he probably more than mads engages in a lot of discussion with fans on twitter at conventions all of that um and he really likes to do his own little fun hanagram thing. So there's he like took a picture of himself drinking from this mug that has a picture of Hannibal or Hanagram on it, and it says "My ship is canon." And he's like drinking about how happy he is that his ship is canon. Uh, there's a he where like has a lot of various Hanagram fan art. There's a picture of him here with wearing a shirt of Will and Hannibal kissing. That's fan art someone had made. Um, there's somebody asked him a question on Twitter about in the finale, when they go up to the beautiful house on the bluffs, they get there and it's like the sun's up and then all of a sudden the sun's down when they're getting attacked by a red dragon. And someone was like, what happened in the intervening period, this time gap? And he just replied to them, well, they did change clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, there's another point where somebody is talking about... Uh, it was like somebody had mentioned how Hanagram is real. Then somebody else had said, can you believe there are people out here still questioning that whether or not Hanagram is canon? And he replied, climate change is real. And so is Hanagram. Okay. <laughs> he definitely in like his social media life is a lot more loose about saying like, they're together yeah. y'all, you know, mm-hmm. which is an interesting difference in when he's giving an interview to a, you know, the Rolling Stone or whatever. And when he's interacting directly with fans, there is sort of a different way that people speak about these things. But that's what I got for you from our cast and our Brian Fuller. So it seems right, generally supportive. Yeah, I I don't think anybody's denying the 
realness, the canonness of yeah. uh, Hanagram. It's just an interesting journey that he went on from the beginning of how he was conceptualizing writing the show to where he has ended up. But sometimes you just gotta let the actors take you away. <laughs> right. And I think we've talked about that before too, of like, it's much more common in writing straight relationships in shows that as the writer is going through the process of writing the show, being like, oh, these characters are in love. Fine. Then we'll be in love and I'll write it into the show because the actors right. have chemistry and this is how that's developing. Yep. And less common for that to happen with same sex relationships even if the actors have the most chemistry this is potentially an example of him being like yes i recognize it and it's a thing yeah i wonder in this you know because we talked again with like the the harry potter example of like it's a kid's movie so like of course they're not like sure having sex but i wonder in this instance if it is well we'll get to it at the end of like is it queer coded queer baiting whatever for him to be so supportive but them never show anything physical between them in a show that is so physical well we also i will say we have the issue of it being a broadcast television show in its first three seasons and then if they get a season four that may no longer be the case right especially since their their three seasons are airing on netflix now so netflix seemingly would be like a great home for a fourth season yeah in which you could do anything you want so yeah you're right the proof may end up being in the pudding there all right um, well we've done the creators what are what's what are the fans up to let's talk about uh some fan works interestingly on ao3 um this panogram ship in 2020 is the 24th most popular ship they have about 19 yeah especially for a show that feels pretty niche um a little more than 19,000 works. And unlike any other ship that we have encountered so far, the most kudos fic is not a couple thousand words of a fluffy little fun story that anybody could read. It is a near 300,000 word fic <laughs> that is basically a, a season four fix it. Like someone has decided the ending should not be the ending and they have written the entire fourth season of the show uh it's called the shape of me will always be you by miss disoriental and it the the description is basically just like they jumped off the cliff hannibal's vanished will's pining and you know unexplained events will help will realize hannibal's closer than he dared hope for so obviously neither of i neither you nor i read it it's very very long we didn't have the time but i am fascinated at this being the most popular fic in the fandom it's so long but it wasn't just that one right you had to scroll through several the fics top, to get like one. six works of fan fiction are tens of thousands of words not all as long as this one but there's not a short little fic in the top several right and so that's really different from what we've seen and i think it's just gonna like I don't think we have any conclusions about it no, necessarily. But that moment. is an interesting difference from what we've been seeing so far. And it'll be interesting to see if we see this again and if we can draw any conclusions at this point or if this is just going to be a fun anomaly <laughs> for us to be like, what's going on there? Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> 300,000 words. That's so many words. Yeah. So just to get a taste, we did read what was the most popular short fic that we can find uh which was called la maison rouge by randstad and in the, you read it along with me because you're dipping your toe into the fan fiction world now so tell me your thoughts so 
I think not only do we have the case of like the first several fics are really long, but by and large, the most kudos fic that we've read has been like just a cute little fluffy story. And this one was quite sexually explicit, which I think is a little bit different. Yes, eventually. It wasn't like just smut, which it could have been. No, I'm just saying it's another different. Um, so like, you know, it was, it was, it was short. <laughs> Yeah, I it's just know. a couple thousand words. The The premise of it is uh, Hannibal starts inserting himself into Will's life by just showing up at his house and cooking him breakfast. And yeah. Will is sort of like, why is this happening? <laughs> but then Hannibal's interested in Will and Will sort of doesn't tell him to leave. And then, um, you know, that's sort of the whole thing. So just a, a number of interesting differences in, in the most popular fic within this. Uh, Very much know. so. So. We'll continue to keep an eye on what's going on with popular fic across different yeah. fandoms. And then uh, I don't think we have too much scholarly work to dig into here, but there is something that we wanted to talk about that seemed kind of interesting and relevant. Yeah, so we didn't find anything super specific necessarily to the Hannibal fandom, but one thing I came across, and I couldn't get access to this paper, my my licenses failed me this week, mm-hmm. um, was this concept of post-object fandom. So we've talked through, right, sort of different models or reasons as to why people are attracted to or participate um, in fandom, not to say that they're mutually exclusive, because they're probably not. not. Right. But, you know, we've talked about, oh, people are drawn to fandom and fan creation due to a lack of representation. We've talked a lot about that piece about fan fiction as play. So this idea that it's just, you know, a a thing that's fun that you do, it can be part of like community building. Um, And then we've talked about fan fiction as a way of making sense of a canon. So you have canons with contradictions in it and fans do a lot of labor to like make everything in the world make sense. This idea of post-object fandom uh, and fan creation as a result of that is the idea of, like, the thing that you love is over. So, mm-hmm. true for Hannibal. But, yeah. Well, maybe, but yes. Well, for now. Yeah. <laughs> and because of the sort of parasocial relationships you've developed around the show and the characters, right, it's very painful to just be like, I'm leaving this world. I have to say goodbye to these people. And so um, fan creation post the completion of an object or the potential completion of an object uh, is a way to continue to interact with the world and remain in the world and those characters to like continue to be alive. Right. And that certainly in my mind seems to be the case here since we've got people basically just continuing the show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The show can't end if you keep writing it. So um, we didn't pull anything again specific about this. It's just as we're continuing, I think, to also build ideas of like, why do people participate in in transformative fandom? This seems to be a reason. And this does seem to be an example of, of where that is happening. Um, I think a lot of the activity in post-object fandom in the literature that talks about it is also around calls for revivals and calls for the show to continue. And obviously that's picked up in the last several years as like, proliferation of content creators has uh, happened there's more people I mean there's just been a ton of revivals right yeah it it was a thing that people talked about that it happened on this show there was a uh, social media movement when this show ended in 2015 or whatever called uh, hashtag let Hannibal live I believe that was a 
fan and the uh, like creators were involved with it too movement to try to get this show picked up elsewhere which didn't end up happening at the time but has in the intervening years become very very common so is there anything else we want to cover before we get to the question I'll just say we usually talk a little bit about how fans and creators interact. There's not a ton to, to talk about here because it's really not, in my mind, an adversarial relationship in any way. Brian Fuller is on Twitter all the time talking to the fans about this. Mads and Hugh both talk to the fans. It seems like a pretty uh, friendly, loving environment <laughs> where they're all team Hanagram. Everyone's loving it. People want the show picked up. It seems pretty like happy and relaxed. Which is a nice uh, fan creator interaction, I think. Yeah. So, are we ready? Are we ready for the question? I'm ready. Ask me the question. Ask me okay. the question. Is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? I gotta go with queer canon. This shit is queer canon. They're telling me Hannibal is in love with Will. They're maybe not explicitly telling me if Will is in love with Hannibal, but it's like some queer relationship, right? Like, it's definitely they're not telling me it's straight they're not trying to pretend that that's what's happening um i think you could probably get you're right that the fact that brian fuller is potentially like more explicitly excited about hanagram on twitter than he is in official interviews and the fact that we haven't like seen them make out or whatever in the show uh leaves open the possibility of accusations of queer baiting um and there may or may not be some, like, it may or may not be fair to accuse him of not putting enough gay stuff in the show. Um, but I just, I don't think it's, I uh, myself can't avoid it being queer canon when they're literally telling me that Hannibal's in love with Will on the show. What about you? What's your view? So, I mean, I think it's certainly clear that Hannibal is queer, right? Because Hannibal's in love with Will. Right. I, guess, I guess the question of like is Hanagram as a relationship because there's still so much ambiguity on the will end of things. Yeah, is that canon or well, hard to say? Um, could be, could be unrequited. Right, right. Which I mean is fine. You can tell a story yeah. of unrequited, and it's still it's love. still canon. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, so I, I yeah, I guess I only mean like what are we saying is canon and what are we saying is, you know, I'm saying fuller on Twitter being like, yeah, Hanagram's real, but I'm not going to put it in the show. Sure. I don't know. Like Will did uh, choose to plunge to his death with Hannibal in the end. (laughs) What are you saying with that move? Hard to say. So I don't know. I I think there's a lot of like ambiguity going on, which seems part and parcel with the show. But yeah, Hannibal seems pretty queer yeah <laughs> uh yeah can't avoid that but you're right i i don't think that we have got an answer and i also don't think that brian fuller has decided what the extent of their right. relationship will be if and when we see them on screen together again because obviously at this point in the show it's not like they're secretly in a relationship right like we've seen all of their interactions with each other at this point will knows hannibal's in love with him will has made the choices he's made to go like be with Hannibal in the way that he has been with Hannibal in the culmination of their murder fantasy. So it's like at this point they would either get together or not, I guess if they lived. (laughs) Right. I think something would hopefully have to be resolved at that point and they wouldn't pop up out of the water and be like, 
ah, refreshed. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Let's go our separate ways. So I guess hopefully we'll get to season four and then we'll really get the answers. We'll find out. We'll have to revisit this this question if season yeah. four happens. Um, I mean, we can do the gender swap test. What do you think about that? It, it's a, kind of an interesting question too in light of like, yeah, I, mean, I feel like they're telling such an explicitly queer story that that kind of like takes something out of it. Yeah. <laughs> if you gender swap one of the characters, especially when you get into Silence of the Lambs and like they're already having been a Hannibal and a Clarice and right. him talking about them both sort of being queer coded in their own story. That's an interesting question. I don't, but see, in my mind, since they're canon, it's not like they're being kept apart by the fact that they're, that they're both dudes. Yeah. I agree. But I don't think we have to talk about why it isn't canon. No, I think we got a lot from, you know, our our creators about their thought process with the relationships. It's all out there. So, I think that's our Hannibal discussion. Yeah. It was a, it was a fun little experiment. I was happy to uh, to hear from you what you thought of the piecemeal show that I had you watch. I think I got I got the gist of at least their relationship, if not necessarily the whole show. Yeah, I think you did too. Um, I guess I'll I'll do my annual my annual my bi-weekly yeah. <laughs> check-in. Uh, are you feeling any more interest in fan fiction? I can't say that I am. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, we still have not hit the sweet spot of what I am envisioning being a thing that would interest you in reading fan fiction. Right. So something happened, Maddie. Right. Something wild, unexpected. We've been asking for it. We got a letter or an email from the lovely Elizabeth Case, who said, hey, podcast creators. Hey, that's us. Recently got into your podcast and had a suggestion. Since you mentioned the difference between movie and television fandoms, I thought we might talk about one that has both. Star Trek? I think it fits, especially considering one of the first Star Trek reboot movies was made in 2009, as all the best queer baits are. Keep making the podcast. Really love it. Yours truly, a truly queer-baited person. Well, uh, we have good news. Uh, yes. <laughs> we do have plans to talk about Star Trek. It's going to be, uh, I think, quite a bit later in the run at this point. Yeah, we have to do it justice, you know? Yes. It's like the queer ship that created all <laughs> queer ships. Man, it's Kirk Spock. Kirk Spock is so important. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, watch out for that one. It, it's going to be a little while at this point, but we are going to get to it. Um, we yeah. did get a nice follow-up as well because we we sent an, a note back being like, hey, if, if you or, again, anyone out in listener land has any suggestions, write us, let us know. Um, and Elizabeth wrote us back to suggest that we cover uh, Riddler and Penguin from Gotham. Which I'm delighted to have as a suggestion because I truly did not even know about that ship. <laughs> I didn't watch Gotham. I don't think you did either, but we are always open to suggestions. We are. So yeah, it may be the case if you write us a suggestion that we're going to cover it and we'll, we'll let you all know. It might be the case that we haven't thought of it. So send us suggestions and we will... We just have to do a little research. Maybe watch a little Gotham. Maybe watch a little Gotham. Uh, it's exciting. The world is our oyster. But thank you, Elizabeth, and uh, hope to hear from the rest of you soon. Yep. Uh, keep writing us letters. It was just so exciting to receive it. We were thrilled. <laughs> what are we doing next week? Ooh, we are tackling. I think. I think you know one of the big ones. One of the. One of the. One of the. One of the big. The big boys. <laughs> In the in the field of queer baiting. Yes. We will be talking about the BBC show Sherlock. 
mm-hmm. and specifically uh, John Locke, so Sherlock and and John Watson. Um, Should be interesting. It's going to be an interesting uh, discussion. <laughs> I don't know how much people know about the fan creator interaction on that show, but it is interesting. It's Unconventional. Different. It's different wild from this one. Very much so. For sure. Maddie, what if in the interim people want to get in touch with us? What if they have thoughts about our our Hannibal discussion? Please get in touch with us in the interim. We want to hear your thoughts. Uh, And you can reach us at uh, ltbkpod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at ltbkpod. Let the Voice Kiss comes out every other Friday at 6 o'clock Eastern, wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 